contending for the articles of faith. It is not enough that we have them written on a piece of paper. It is not enough that we as a church of the Lord know them, believe them, or have preached them. But now we must contend for them. And it's just like the book of Acts. And we refer back to this, and may we always, that the articles of faith, as much as anything, they ought to provoke us to do something about them. And God's word tells us exactly what to do. And here it says, contend for them. In Jude, we'll begin at verse 1, and I'll read down through verse uh, 4. Jude and verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we stop here, but the words which we have noted, and primarily in verse 3, where it says, as Jude wrote, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That's our subject this evening. That which was that we should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And we'll try and cover all of this this evening. Now, as you may have heard me speak or talk or tell or complain or whine, as sometimes I'm prone to do about things, I was at a Bible conference last year, not recent, last year, not ours, when I heard a man speak upon the subject of contending for the faith. And he told a Seventh-day Adventist, and he told a whole lot of people, we don't know a thing about the house of God to contend for the faith. How can one contend for the faith if they're not in the Lord's church? It's impossible. Because the faith isn't the common salvation. That's one aspect of the faith. The phrase the faith in our text means the whole system of beliefs. Genesis 1-1 through Revelation 22-21. That is the faith. It is everything we are to believe in. Now, I know some folks, they have their hobby horses. They like to contend for creation. That's good to contend for, but there's other things. We have to go past one subject. You look in our articles of faith. We have 35 of them. You can't contend for one. We have to contend for all 35. 
Furthermore, I'll say this, that if you contend for the Lord's church, his kind of church, then automatically you'll contend for all 35 because they're all in the church. And we'll bring that out. What I want you to note is this. How in the world are we supposed to, or is anyone, supposed to contend for the faith if they don't believe the faith? Because we had 35. How in the world am I supposed to tell an amillennialist, someone who doesn't believe in the uh, uh, millennial reign of Christ, how in the world am I supposed to tell a sprinkler, someone who sprinkles infants with water, that they're supposed to contend for the faith? When part of the faith is baptism. When part of the faith is the premillennial coming of Christ. You see, you can't tell them. Say, go brother, sister, because they could be saved. They could very well be saved and not know anything about baptism, not know anything about the coming of the Lord. When the Lord saved me, I didn't know anything about anything except I was saved. I didn't know how I was saved. You didn't know how you were saved. You didn't know that God had chosen you before the foundation of the world. We learn afterwards. It's like a child. My son doesn't have a clue how he was born. And when he's of age and maturity and he's able to be taught the things or the meat of the world, then he'll know how he was physically born. And the same thing spiritually speaking. After you begin to grow and to mature, then you can understand and you have knowledge of how you were saved. The whole picture of it all. How in the world can you tell someone to contend for the faith? I don't understand that. How you can tell people who aren't in the Lord's church, say, go contend for the faith. Go preach the gospel of Christ. Christ didn't send them. He sent his church. And he has given everything to his church. We've preached that before. Look over in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. This was my sermon text from Oakdale last year. And I preached on the subject of the all counsel of God. Because we have to preach more than one thing. If we're going to preach one thing, it has to be the scriptures. But I'm not called of the Lord to simply preach the Bible. Or what the Bible says about the Bible. It's like we're in a study Sunday evening on the Lord's church. We're in a study. But if we conclude the end of that study and I say, well, we've done everything that the Bible says, so we're done. There's more than the Lord's church in the Bible. I'm not foolish. I understand that. But here in Acts 20, 27, Paul told the uh, elders of Ephesus, he said this, For I have not shunned to declare unto you, all the counsel of God. Now there was more to the counsel of God than salvation by grace through faith. Think of the mysteries that Paul talked about. The mystery of incarnation. That is 
How that God came in the form of His Son. The mystery of the church. The mystery of regeneration. The mystery of iniquity. All these things are more than salvation. We have more things to contend for than salvation by grace through faith. And that is the faith. The faith is a term that describes... The church of Rome has stolen that. They say, well, they're the faith. They refer to themselves as the faith. They're not the faith. They don't believe anything. They don't believe one thing God says. But here we find that Jude says, contend for the faith. That's my first point. We must be careful that we are really contending for the faith. That we really do believe the faith. That we profess and we propagate the faith. That what we are not preaching is, as one writer stated, a discriminating badge against this party or that party, but rather that we are contending for the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God. Why do we believe those 35 articles of faith? Do we believe them because they're baptistic? Do we believe them because they were handed to us by the church that organized this church? I hope not. I hope we believe them because they were in the Holy Spirit inspired word of God. That's why we ought to believe them and that's why we need to contend for them. Because they're in God's word. Now I'll tell you this. No man will ever contend for something that he does not believe. He won't do it. He won't fight for it. If he doesn't believe that it's a just and worthy and right cause, he will not fight for it. And so we have to believe these things are so. We have given scripture after scripture after scripture. We have expounded. We have not explained away. We have not changed. We have taken from the scriptures and expounded. We have compared scripture with scripture and shown that everything that we hold to be an article of faith is found in God's word. And I defy the churches of the world to try and do the same thing. They can't do it. They cannot do it. But we as the church of the Lord can because we go by God's word. Let me say before I go further that it's not we, it's the grace of God. We are here because of God's grace. We're not here because of me, myself, or I. It's the grace of God. That's why everybody's here. And so we understand these things. We must stand and contend for the faith and all articles of faith because they're true. There's a lot of people standing for a lot of things that government or their political party state. You as a member of this church cannot stand for these things because I preach them or because I believe them, but because they're in God's word and you believe them. I believe exactly what Paul said. 
be ye followers of me. And Paul was referring to church members following the pastors. Follow me. But don't follow me simply because I'm leading. Follow me because it's truth. There may come a day, I hope not, but this church may have to contend against me if God does not keep me in the light of his word. There may come a day when we have to contend against other brothers, maybe even my own family, if God does not preserve them in the preaching of the word of God as scriptural, that we will have to stand and contend against them. We better be prepared. This is what we are speaking of. I believe this is the most serious thing in all of God's word contending for the faith. Look over in Acts chapter 18. I want to note those who will fall short. Because there are some who fall short. I know a lot of men who preach salvation by grace through faith. Who preach the doctrines of grace. But they believe in Reformed Baptist churches. That's not good enough. I know some who preach the doctrines of grace. Yet they have the elements of the Lord's Supper incorrectly. That's not good enough. Acts chapter 18 and verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man, and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So that's all he knew. I'll agree, if a man preaches the doctrines of grace... Good for him. But we ought to take him and do as Aquila and Priscilla did and expound unto him the way of God more perfectly or thoroughly. Verse 26. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla had heard him, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, The brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews in that publicly, showing showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. So here's uh, Apollos, and he's preaching. All he knows is John's baptism. Well, what did John preach? John preached repentance for the kingdom of God is at hand and then they were baptized and showing that they had repented. That's all he knew. And here it is in Acts chapter 18. The truth of the church, the truth of the rapture, the truth of the coming of the Lord. More things had come out through revelation of God through the apostle Paul and through Simon Peter and through the other apostles. And Aquila and Priscilla said, Apollos, I want you to come over here and we're going to explain to you the other 34 articles of faith. Because he had one. He had one. And then what happened? People say, well, a lot of folks will say, well, if I do that, I might lose them as a friend. Or maybe they'll quit doing this. 
Well, Apollos here, after he was instructed, he went and helped them much which had believed through grace. So it's not always going to be a negative effect. What we find here is that here was a man who was falling short of contending for the faith. And the reason he was falling short was because he did not know what all of the faith was. But I'll give him this. He contended for what he knew. If you know this much, contend for that much. It's like what Isaiah says. Hear a little, tell a little. Hear a little more, tell a little more. We learn line upon line, precept upon precept. We learn one truth, we tell it. We learn another truth, we tell it. It's kind of like Brother Sullivan, his cousin. He didn't believe in the election. And his, his uh, Brother Sullivan showed him in John chapter 6 and verse 44 that the Bible says, I believe it's that verse, no man cometh, uh, can come unto the Father except he be drawn. Well, he went over to Thailand, and he's not a preacher. And they asked him to preach. He said, I'm not a preacher. He said, just give us a little scripture. So he got back to Brother Sullivan, and he told Brother Sullivan, he said, they let me preach. He goes, what'd you preach on? He said, John 6, 44. He had just learned it, and so he went and told it to him. And so I don't expect and I didn't know it. I don't expect everybody to be able to go and take the word of God, everything that we preach, and go off and tell others and expound upon it. But I tell you this, we've gone over everything that we believe. In this church, I'm not like other pastors. I know some pastors, they want to keep the sheep ignorant because if they keep them dumb, they can control them. I'm not interested in controlling you. The head of this church will do that. The Holy Spirit will do that. I will guide you. I will lead you. I will feed you. But I cannot make you believe. And I cannot make you contend. The Lord will have to do that. And you'll have to be willing to do that. But I want you to know this. That I have instructed. I have taught. I have preached on everything that we believe as far as the articles of faith go. And now having heard them, we are all responsible unto God for contending for them. Now furthermore, let me say that there is a reason. That there is a reason why we find that we are not able to fellowship with every church that has Baptist on it. Even with every church that has uh, uh, been scripturally organized. It's because they no longer contend for the faith. Somewhere along the line, a pastor refused to preach the word of God in some standpoint, in some capacity, because he didn't want to lose his meal ticket and his paycheck because he was more scared of the sheep than he was the chief shepherd and the good shepherd and the great shepherd. It is my responsibility to feed this church with what God gives me. And that's the whole word of God. And so this is what the problem has been over the years. Pastors have come into churches and they've just 
It's not that they preached contrary to things. They just didn't preach them. And those of you who own homes or if you've been in them, if you don't maintain them, they're going to fall apart. And if we don't shore up or shore up the word of God and the articles of faith, if we don't preach them, if we just neglect them, they're going to fall away. They'll still be true. Just you won't know them. You won't know to believe them. I won't know to believe them. I'll end up forgetting them. And uh, the next generation will never know them. And I've referred to this before, but I have a gigantic walnut tree in my yard. It's supposed to be on the property line. If I remove that, how will I know where the property line is? If we stop preaching about our articles of faith, then how will we know what the word of God says and what we're to contend for? You see, they're the landmarks. They show us what is truth. They give us the boundaries, what we're to contend for. And so we must contend for these that they'll be there for us to be reminders of. Now look in Jude verse 3. Jude verse 3. I have stayed longer on that point than I intended. But in Jude and verse 3, I want you to note that Jude says this. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly, earnestly contend. Now let me define that word as I am prone to do. The word earnestly means zealousness, with real desire, and fixed attention, and with eagerness. When's the last time we were eager to tell somebody about something we learned in the scriptures? When's the last time that we were so zealous, and we came into the house of God with fixed attention? My son's about three months old now. He's got the attention span of a gnat. That's what many church members are like. You ever watch TV and you get in the zone and you don't hear anything else? Our attention needs to be that fixed on standing and contending for these truths. Nothing comes across and distracts us. No falsehood gets preached. You may hear something on the radio. Someone may say something. We're not distracted. We are fixed on these articles of faith. No one should come in here and say, well, you know, this other church over here, they're using grape juice, and I'm, I'm just not sure about that. You're not fixed. This is what we say, is that we are to contend, and we're to do it earnestly. Earnestly. What do you do if somebody said, you know what? We're not going to give you a paycheck anymore. You'd contend for that. You'd contend for that earnestly. I'm going to tell you the articles of faith, or the, the faith, is a lot more important than our paychecks. Because if we lose our paychecks, that's one thing. But if the faith goes away, how will lost people be saved? How will we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth? It cannot be done. So we must 
earnestly contend for these. There ought to be nothing more important than honoring God in and through this church. And I believe when we do that, we'll grow spiritually. And if God, peradventure, he would add to us physically. If we'll contend for these truths. I honestly believe that there are people in this community, in Wellington, who are starving for truth. I mean, you listen to some of the things that they hear. People aren't dumb. They've got Bibles. When you begin to show them in scriptures and they look at it, and they'll go, you know, I'm not really hearing the truth. It may not be everyone we come into contact with, but there are some. That's why we must contend and we must do it earnestly. It ought to be the most important thing in our lives. Thirdly, we are to contend. Now I want to say a few things regarding this. Look over, if you would, into 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We are to contend. The word contend means combatant. We are to be fighters for the faith. Now, that doesn't mean if someone's out there preaching salvation by works that we go and punch them in the face. Because Paul said that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we're contending against. It's as I have said before, I am not against people who are members of the world's false religious systems, I'm against what they've been deceived and what they've been taught with. I'm against that. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I believe the Apostle Paul was the greatest contender there was next to Christ. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 23, he says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths off. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. This is contending for the faith. Paul said, I hazarded my own life. Contending for the faith is more than coming to church every time we have services. I preached in Oakdale this year. God is seeking men to stand in the gap. The gap is in a hole in the front line. It's a place of danger. It's where you will have to hazard your life. God has called us to suffer. He has not called us to sit in the homes as so many of the world's evangelists do. 
I mean, if you'll pardon the expression, Benny Hinn's got a nicer home than the mansions on high. If you'll pardon that expression. He's not suffering one bit. Of course, he's not contending for the faith either. But it says in perils. Paul suffered because he contended. He was a soldier for the Lord. Remember what Jesus said? I come not to send peace. I come to send a sword. That those of his own household may be his enemies. We may have to stand against friends and families. Neighbors. Kinfolk. As Paul said. As he spoke there. In perils by mine own countrymen. How many times we read. I lost count. Of when the Jews beat him. Stoned him. And left him for dead. They did it at, where was it? It was Lystra. And then they followed him to Iconium, or they did it on the top line, Iconium. And then those at Iconium followed him to Lystra, and they beat him again. What did he do? He kept contending. Also, I want you to note in Romans chapter 7, that we will have to do some self-contention. In contending for the faith. We're going to have to contend against self. Remember our enemies. The world. The flesh. And the devil. We're going to have to fight the world. We're going to have to fight Satan. And we're going to have to fight ourselves. Romans 7 and verse 15. Paul writes. For that which I do I allow not. For what I would that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Now I'll stop there, but I'll tell you this. Paul had a daily battle within himself. He had an hourly battle and a minute battle because he was always at war with the old man within himself. Think about it. Imagine this. Let's say we do away with... Well, I'll just pick one. Let's say that we do away with the Bible. And we start, and I start bringing down commentaries out of, the, out of my study. And I say, these are equal with the scriptures. What if I start doing that? Well, we're going to have some problems. Because we're not contending against self. You know, I preach against my own self. And I made this statement years ago. And I should have preached on a subject, but the minister, the hypocrite. Because a lot of people think that, you know, we're perfect, and I know you all don't, but we're not. The sermon's as much for me as it is for anybody else. I have to contend against my own self, against my own sinful nature, as much, if not as more, than anybody else. Because the standard that God has set 
and that the churches and the world expects from God's people is that they are supposed to be impeccable. And I agree with that, but we're not. But we contend with ourselves as well. That is a contention we will have to make. What is the opposite of contention? What's the opposite? Compromise. Compromise is the opposite. To compromise upon the word of God in any form is to sin against the Lord of glory. What if we begin and we come in and we say, you know what? We're going to change it up. And we're not going to use scriptural means for preaching that God might save them. Or we're not going to invite people anymore. We're going to bribe them to come in. We're going to start handing out candy bars. We're going to start advertising. We're going to start using the means of man. We've just compromised. And very soon God will write the name Ichabod above the church door. Which means the glory of the Lord hath departed. And he will remove the candlestick or the lampstand. And we will cease to be his church. To compromise on any of these is detrimental to our spiritual health. I will stand if it costs me perils. I will stand if I lose friends. I will stand if I never get invited to another Bible conference again. I will stand for these articles of faith if it means we never have enough men to come and preach. If we can't find enough men who agree with these 35 articles, I'll be honest with you, there's more than these 35 articles in God's Word, but if we can't find enough men to have a Bible conference, then we just won't have or we'll do like we did the first year. We'll take two of them and we'll write them for four sermons apiece. But seriously, what's more important? Well, the apostles said we ought to obey God rather than men. God said when he returns, he'll find faith. I'm not... So full of ourselves in this church as to think that we'll be the only ones left. But if we do not stand, how can we expect other churches to stand if we will not? I will contend. And I call upon the members of this church to contend for these things. I will stand against my own earthly family. I have stood against them. Fortunately, by God's grace, it hasn't been the immediate ones. But we've taken stands against uncles and aunts, cousins. We've stood against them. And God's seen us through all of it. And we've been better off on the other side. And so will you. I am told... Regarding the subject of contending, that in armies past and gone, that there was no such thing as retreating or living to fight another day. In fact, there was one great army, I can't remember whose it was, but he would send forth this front line. 
And behind them he gave orders to his second line to go forth. And he said, if any of them turn back, kill them. May the sword of the Spirit in your hand have its point in my back. That if I turn around, I shall be impaled with it. Because to die is better than to forsake God. If I turn slightly like this, may it tweak me in the back and remind me to continue on going forward. May my sword of the Spirit in my hand do the same to your back. Let me further say as well that compromise is a tool of Satan that the world often use most. And they will use it almost every time in this fashion. Well, you don't love me. They'll use it that way. If you contend for these truths and it comes to a head with someone in this world and you stand for them, they'll say, well, you don't love me anymore. And as I've replied to some people, I don't love you more than I love the Lord. You didn't die for me. You didn't pay for my sins. And I will not love you more than the Lord. The fact of the matter is we love them more than they think. Because perhaps one day they'll turn, God will turn them peradventure, and they'll realize the error of their ways. We are to contend for them. How are we to contend for them? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 6 gives us one way in which we are to contend. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And begin at verse 4, if you would. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way. When thou liest down, when thou risest up, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as a frontlet between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And so this is one way we're to contend for them. Speak about them. When you sit down at the dinner table, talk of them. Speak of justification by faith. Speak of justification by works. Sanctification. Progressive as well as uh, uh, positional. Speak of the Lord's Supper. Go over the word of God in your homes. I know I sound like a broken record. But this is what we do. This is how we contend. How else will our children learn? Don't expect them to learn everything in one hour a week in Sunday school. It won't happen. We don't send them to school to learn everything in one hour a week as far as the secular things go. We must contend. Also, look in James 1. How must we contend? You know, there are some things that we have already, you have already contended for. Every time this church baptizes someone, we contend for scriptural baptism. Every time that this church accepts or receives a letter 
for a member or grants one for a member to join another church. We contend for the scriptural truth of the Lord's church and scriptural baptism and church membership. James 1 and verse 22, here's how we contend for the faith. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. That's how you contend for the faith. Don't just be hearers, be doers. That means if someone comes in here, or if a member begins to talk and say, well, you know, maybe if we tried this. Yes, I realize I'm supposed to lead, but it's up to you. I mean, even before someone finished, you could say, we're not doing that. That's not scriptural. We're not using gimmicks and plans and programs of men. We need to contend for the Bible as the sole rule of faith and practice. We need to contend that God is perfect, that he is immutable, that he is omnipresent, and he is all-powerful. We need to contend for the fact that the Holy Spirit actually lives in everyone who is saved. You know how you contend for that? You live the way the Holy Spirit said to in the Bible. That's how. We need to contend for the fact that Satan is real and that he is our enemy by watching and being sober because he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We need to contend for the fact that salvation is solely and wholly through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that it is by grace and faith in his blood and work at Calvary. We need to contend for the fact as well that no one can be saved unless they repent and believe. Furthermore, let us conduct ourselves with thankfulness toward God who did save us. And how he saved us. That he chose us, predestinated us, foreknew us, and called us, and preserves us unto the day of his return. That's how we can contend for these things. Another way in which we need to contend is that we need to mortify or put to death the old man and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit of God. You want to know what that is? You can read Galatians 5, 22 and 23. That will give you the fruit of the Spirit. Furthermore, we need to evidence that God is sovereign over our lives by walking in the good works that he has ordained. We need to contend for the Lord's church. And we need to depart from all things that have to do with mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and her Protestant daughters. We need to depart from everything that involves them. Furthermore, we need to stand for scriptural baptism, the Lord's Supper, and everything that pertains to it. Let us manifest that there is a difference between the righteous and the wicked. And let us live that we actually believe that Jesus should come at any moment. Think about that. 
I've caught myself a few times. How that I would be ashamed if the Lord came at this moment and I was doing something I should not be, was somewhere I shouldn't have been, or something to that effect. What if the Lord did come and we were involved in that? Or thinking about that? We must also give as Christ gave, freely, willingly, and out of love. Let us be submissive to the government and as well perform mission works for Christ himself came upon a mission. Let me say that we must contend for all of these things equally. The Bible, God, sovereignty of God, God's will of purpose, the Holy Spirit, mission work, civil government, the salvation of imbeciles and, and infants, it's all equal to one another. There is not one more important than the other that we should leave it off and stand for the others. You take a dam, you got 35 holes. You better plug all 35 of them. You take an army. They better shore up and secure the left flank as much as the right flank. Because if they don't, they'll get routed. And if they don't shore up the middle, both flanks will get cut off. We have to stand for all of them equally. Furthermore, and lastly, look in Jude and verse 3. Let me again define this. We have noted that we are to contend. We are earnestly contend. What are we to contend for? The faith. But not just the faith, but the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now who did he give it to? It says the saints. But in what capacity did he give it to them? In his church. Now I'm going to show you that. How do we know it was in the church? Well, look in verse 4. Jude in verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares. What did they creep into? Did they creep into the mystical body of Christ, the universal invisible church that no one meets in? No! They crept in unawares into the church of the living God. Because these two verses are connected. He says that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares. God said, I've given my church, which is the gathering of the saints in a certain locality. You can compare all of Paul's epistles to find that out. I've given unto my church the faith unto them, the whole counsel of God, and into that church have crept men unawares, and they're destroying the faith. That's why we need to contend for it. That's why you have to discipline when people get out of line. 
For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that is? It's basically telling us that men who were antichrists came into the Lord's churches and destroyed them. They crept in unawares. I've seen it happen. I've also seen churches of God stand against those men. God tested them. He tried them. And when the trial was over, God removed that man from them. And there'll be crowns waiting for every member who stayed the course when they get to glory. Now I want to say as well, look over in, in Revelation 22 and verse 18. We are to contend for the faith which was once delivered. I'll say this. If Christ hadn't delivered it, it's because it wasn't done. And if Christ did it and delivered it, it's finished. It's complete. He wouldn't have gave the faith if it wasn't complete. Revelation 22 and verse 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto the things, God, these things God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city, city and from the things which are written in this book. Now we preach from this in our series some time ago on blessings and cursings. God said, you contend for it the way I gave it to you. Don't change it. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Don't cut up scriptures with a penknife. Don't rip out your pages in your Bible and say, I don't agree with that. I know probably everyone here has read scripture to someone and they'll say, I don't agree with that. They add or they're taking away. Or they'll say, well, I read this commentary and it said this. That's adding to the word of God. This book is the faith that we are to contend for. The faith, again, means the whole system. We are to contend for it as it was given to us. And it was given unto his church. What will happen as I close? What will happen if we do not? This church will cease to be the Lord's church, and it will become the church of men. Satan will have won. He will have defeated. And we will not have manifested that God is almighty and all-powerful. And we will stand and give account of that in the day of judgment. Some of you have grew up in churches of the world. How much spiritually better is it to be in the house of God? There wasn't a church of the Lord in this, in this area for a while. What if it goes away? There's still people here who are in need of the light, which is Christ. This church has a need to shine, and we must contend for these truths. We'll need the grace of God to do it.
The Bible speaks of in Hebrews 12 and verse 28 that God gives grace that we may serve him acceptably. And boy, we need it now more than ever because it's getting more and more difficult to serve God. The flesh is getting worse and worse. The world is getting worse and worse. And the day of the power of Satan is coming nigh. But so is the return of the Lord. I remember when I used to train, and I'll close with this thought. When I was training for the police academy and running, I had markers along my path that I ran. When I got to the end, I sort of kicked it up a notch because I was almost home. And it's kind of like when I, I would run the mile and I would get around on the fourth quarter of a mile and down about that final stretch, I would begin to sprint after I had jogged mostly. We're almost home. The battle's almost over. We've contended this long. Stay the course. And when the chief shepherd and the great shepherd shall return, we'll receive our reward and our prize and our crown. We trust the message has been a blessing to each one. Let's stay in this evening and be dismissed in a word of prayer. May God bless us as we do endeavor to contend for the faith. May we help one another to contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You will never be a burden to me, and may I never be a burden unto you. Let us be fellow or co-laborers together with the Lord, and fellow soldiers as well. Let's bow our heads. We'll close in a series of prayer. Brother Chip first, and then Brother Jeff, and then Brother Gail, please. Brother Chip.
And Heavenly Father, we, we bow before you this evening, Lord. We're, we're thankful of the, the words and the reminders that you've given us tonight that, uh, to be better soldiers for you. Lord, may we, may we always be found marching forward and spreading the gospel. Lord, may we not reject it and, uh, and do the things that you have us to do. Lord, we pray that we we give us grace to do so and that we not make excuses in our lives for Amen. Uh, doing, not doing the things that we should be. Lord, we ask that you uh, be with this church in the upcoming business meeting. We pray that uh, we'll do things according to your will and purpose and, and uh, that we do uh, your business in a loving manner and that this church may be united and served. Lord, we ask that uh, you give your guiding hand to each and every one that's attended tonight as they leave here. Lord, know that your coming is, is very soon. And that, uh, we pray that you'll protect those that are here and, and uh, protect the loved ones that are, that, that are outside this church, that you uh, give them the eyes uh, to see and the ears to hear your gospel and that they might proclaim your name, Savior and Lord. Lord, uh, guide us and protect us as we leave here tonight. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.